Hello, my good friends, and welcome to another episode of the 10,000 Layups Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Radke, here with Julian Andrews. Julian, happy Sunday. Thank you, Kyle. Happy Sunday to you as well. Uh, we are recording this on a Sunday, as you know, because we said happy Sunday. Um, you'll, you'll likely hear this on Monday. Um, I would love to be super positive right now and like talk about basketball, but it seems like uh, it's probably not the right thing to do. We found out on Friday that Timberwolves center Carl Anthony Towns had tested positive for COVID-19. He's a second player on the Wolves to test positive. That canceled uh, the Wolves game because of con- contact tracing and everything. The league, um, we've seen it throughout uh, you know, the last two weeks where they postponed the game. Uh, the Timberwolves next play on Monday against the Hawks. That's a day game for Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and we'll see if that game is played. But Julian, we, we talked about this with Haley O'Shaughnessy um, in, in our podcast on Thursday about what the league is doing, if they're doing enough. Uh, and then we we specifically did talk about Carl Anthony Towns and how obviously he's he's dealt with this f- firsthand with, with losing his mom to to the virus and and some other family members and uh, I mean uh, how just how devastating it w- was the news I mean you got the news on Friday and it's just like your heart sunk yeah I mean it's kind of like what do you even say you know it's just like really tragic and I was tweeting about it a little bit and you know, it's never a great idea to read everything that people say back to you on Twitter. Um, But I really think we just have to like, think like the number one thing is to remember that these are people. And that sounds like a crazy thing to have to say. Um, But you know, like these people are not obligated to put themselves in danger for our entertainment. And so it's, it's really just sad how much the virus has both like it's both sad how much the virus has impacted this season and it's sad that we didn't see it coming and i mean a lot of people did see it coming um the nba clearly knows that this is a big deal or they wouldn't have done a bubble last year so i don't know i'm sad i'm disappointed but and then in the league in general but then just for carl it's just so tragic and traumatic and i just like can't imagine what he's going through right now and so it really nothing to do except hope that everything's okay because that's kind of all we can do you know over the course of the pandemic for the last year i think in a lot of situations and then in this situation specifically as well so yeah it's just really sad and you know to all the people who are on twitter like saying that they're glad that you know hernan gomez has covid so that ryan adjusts his like get out of here like i don't know it's just the some of the stuff i've seen lately has just been really sickening and i I really want everybody to log off but and i mean even talking about like what this means for the wolf success or whatever it's like that doesn't even seem relevant it's more like okay let's get these guys healthy and we'll figure it out i mean this is a three and eight team um yeah whatever i that's not the top priority. And and I want to read off Carl's statement because I thought it was powerful and he's done such a good job uh, of letting fans in over the last year. um, Or I guess, I guess, yeah, last March um, through his process of grieving for his mother 
and, and letting us know where he's at. And that's not always easy for young players to do. So I'll, I'll read this off. Uh, prior to tonight's game, I received yet another awful call that I tested positive for COVID. I will immediately isolate and follow every protocol. I pray every day that this nightmare of a virus will subside. And I beg everyone to continue to take it seriously by taking all of the necessary precautions. We cannot stop the spread of the virus alone. It must be a group effort by all of us. It breaks my heart that my family, and particularly my father and sister, continue to suffer from the anxiety that comes along with the diagnosis, as we all know it too well, what the end result could be. To my niece and nephew, Jelani and Max, I promise you that I will not end up in a box next to grandma, and I will beat this. Oh, man. Um, yeah. And we, we talked about the NBA not taking um, maybe the, the virus as seriously as, as they should and obviously we've seen with other sports money, money is the right. It's the monster. Uh, and like if the league's not, and, and Haley said this too on, on our podcast. And if you haven't listened to that, uh, go check it out. But uh, she basically said, I'm not worried about the NBA shutting the season down. I'm worried about the NBA not shutting the season down and where we'll be at. Uh, and, and Julian, you alluded to uh, Carl's employer, not taking it as serious and, uh, to clear that up, that that was about the the NBA as a whole, not necessarily the Timberwolves. Yeah, because yeah, I think the Timberwolves, uh, like the, their vice president um, it, of uh, I think I'm not sure what his exact title is, but technology and health, uh, Robbie Sika does an amazing job, and he's been at the forefront and he's like leading discussions in the NBA, and I think that they follow every protocol that they could. Yeah, but, it's it's just a deadly easily transmitted virus you know like the, and if only we knew that like a, this isn't a fight that the wolves can like win you know like they're they're the wolves are doing so much research like supporting research and we saw carl give so much money to mayo and yeah hundred thousand dollars those those partnerships are great and I, I do think the wolves obviously this is all in good faith like for me and the wolves like i know they want to protect their players i know that the wolves are not this like organization trying to exploit their guys like i the, the individuals that work within the wolves do care but like currently the institution of the nba is not doing enough to protect all of its players and the, there's only so much that the wolves can do within that context because the league is playing and the wolves don't have the power to be like we're not going to play you know carl could say that and i i would not be shocked nor hold it against him if that is the case um but yeah, I, I yeah, I don't want to be misinterpreted as as me coming down hard on the wolves. I just I'm just the more the more this stuff happens, the more I just think we shouldn't have sports right now, as sad as it is. So I don't know. Yeah, especially a sport where it seems like it's getting um transmitted a lot easier than other sports, which makes sense of what we know about the virus. Um yeah. you're you're in close contact, you're breathing heavily on each other. Uh that that's kind of what happens. So uh we'll see. Um you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't see the league pausing or, or doing anything, yeah. but it, it certainly seems like it's not going to get any better. It, it's going to get worse. And it seems silly that we're talking about uh, like fans coming back and, and like teams are trying to roll out yeah. plans. And it's like uh, not to get too political, but the current administration right now can't even roll out a vaccine process. I know. Uh, so, it, you know, before we get that figured out, it, it just seems so silly to talk about trying to get five or 10,000 people in, in a stadium where half the team that's playing has the virus. We can't, we can't put the cart before the horse here. Like 
I know it's been a long time, you know, in the pandemic. And I'm not saying anything that anybody hasn't like read other places probably, but yeah, it's been a long time. It sucked. Like I hate the pandemic, but pretending that it's, you know, we have more cases now than we ever have in the country. And it's so while the end is kind of in sight because of the vaccine, we can't start pretending like it's over now or a lot of people are going to get hurt. So it's yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's it's just it's really tough. So, yeah, like we are going to like probably talk about some actual basketball stuff during this. And, you know, yeah, I don't know. I feel a little weird doing it, but the NBA is playing. So I guess we're talking about it. But I just uh, I just really hope that this doesn't just go horribly wrong. And there's a part of me that there's I'm relatively optimistic in some ways, but there's also part of me that's just like, what's the line, you know? I saw somebody responded to your, your tweet and I'm the same way where I can't, I think it was like Friday at like 1130 PM and, I, and I'm looking on Twitter and responses and somebody goes, we can't pause the season. We've come too far. And you know, and I, I won't say, say who it was, but what are you talking about? Like, yeah, <laughs> we've come too far. We're clearly not far enough. If anything, we've gone backwards throughout this yeah. process. Um, yeah, I, that seems so silly to me. It's it's not a war. This is not a battle. Like this is not this is not something that we have the ability to fight. You know, like with our minds and like by being strong. Like the way we be strong through this is to to not be smart and be smart. And yeah. it's just it's, you're not it's, fighting. You're not fighting through it. No, you don't want to do that. No, that's the yeah. So, uh, all right. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> well, uh, you know, for both of us, obviously, are uh, we're thinking about Carl and yeah. and the, the, every player that that's going through this, and obviously the terrible anxiety I think of having it, not knowing who you gave it to. Uh, if you're the person that gave it to somebody, I think like it's just a trickle down effect, and especially for Carl when he, he's dealt with this firsthand and it's impacted his family so significantly. Um, you feel for him. So uh, we're thinking about you, Carl. Uh, to a lesser extent, on the court, what's next for the Wolves? So uh, we mentioned they they traveled to play the Hawks in Atlanta on Monday. That's a 1.30 p.m. game. We'll see if that game is played. Or then later the week, they have the Magic. They have the Hawks again on the front end of a back-to-back. Uh, and the second half of the back-to-back is against uh, Zion Williamson and the Pelicans. So those are the games we for sure know Carl will probably be out uh, and, and maybe some other players, depending on on how the the, the tracing goes. And, and if anybody else got the virus, we'll see. I mean, I, I guess your schedule could certainly look harder throughout that that stretch. And, and you you know, if, if you're thinking the Wolves, who are three and eight last in the West, you want them to uh, get their playoff hopes or keep them alive. I think actually I'd rather have it be a really hard schedule uh, because if you lose these games, or if you go one and three during the stretch, it's, it's your, your, it, that's the season, right? You're four and 11 or four and 12. It, it seems pretty unlikely you're coming back from that um, against these teams. So uh, I don't know. I, it, all winnable games. The Hawks have a bunch of guys out. The magic aren't good. The Pelicans are one of those teams that you thought that you'd be fighting with for playoff positioning. And um so we'll see. Uh, let's go to our Ben Simmons three-point tracker because uh, he, Julian, in the last two games, he's attempted three three-pointers. This is excellent news. Well, the not-so-great news is he airballed two of them. That's not shocking. 
and they weren't like the end of the quarter or end of the half like heaves they were actually constructed like they looked like they were he was trying to make the three-pointer and then he did not and he airballed both of them yeah that's no good uh no so i think i'm still okay i'm still confident in my over of seven yeah in the season if he's attempting that many I was going to say I'd feel optimistic if he's if he's attempting two three pointers per game, which is a one game sample size in the last game. Um, I think you're on track. But. Yeah, like I think you could hit seven three pointers over the course of an NBA season if you got two attempts off per game. Hmm. Like, I, I'm I, you could, dude. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm not going to say like I'm not like one of those like oh like Kyle could be in the NBA. Like you know all those guys who think Kyle could mm-hmm. be in the NBA. No, I mean like people who are like, well, I could beat that guy one on one. Like I'm not doing that. I'm just saying like you get if two I, open looks per game in the NBA over the course of the season. You could hit seven three pointers. I think I think that's probably true. Like hundred hit ten, dude. Hundred and six. Well, this year <laughs> seventy games, so one hundred and forty attempts. Right. Yeah, yeah. You can get seven for one hundred and forty. Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh, more basketball in the Western Conference. Julian, your team, bad uh, news for them. I know. Uh, Jusuf Nurkic is out eight weeks with a fractured right wrist. He suffered against the Pacers. It just feels like... Poor Nurk. I just feel bad for Nurk. He can't catch a break. I know. It's really it's really a shame. It's just... Um, I, don't, I don't know. Obviously, this is like not even comparable to the injury he had last year. He shattered his leg um and he'll be back and so i'm not i'm not worried about that but it's just like man you just want this guy to catch a break you know and their breaks are in short supply uh these days and nurk certainly didn't get one um i think that as a blazers fan uh full disclosure um i kind of think they'll be okay i think Cantor obviously that signing becomes huge and harry giles has actually looked really good for us um i watched the game last night and i thought they handled it well i'm a little worried about cj who sprained his foot um or looks like hoping that it's just a foot sprain last night so tough times for uh rip city but i think i think they'll be okay i don't know it was tough last night because it was against the hawks and i think the hawks are pretty bad and so i was kind of like i don't know if this is one of those games where both these teams just aren't very good or if the blazers actually are like I don't know. They've won a lot of games. I don't know. What's your like outsider opinion? I don't know how much how much you stay up late to watch the late games, but um, you, you know, I, I like. Th- I mean, the positive right is that he's only playing like twenty or twenty five minutes a game. They're kind of yeah. they're easing him in. Um, I guess for me as an outsider is I really liked Zach Collins coming out of the draft. Yeah, and it'd be nice if he was healthy because About then it would, it would just be this opportunity for him to get this playing time, and we, we could see what he can give the Blazers. Because I think it was last year, right, that that he looked really, really good, and then yeah. he got hurt late in the season again. So that's a bummer because he's they want to play him at the four too, which is is interesting. But it's it's weird because sometimes they'll play Rocco at the four or the five even, and then sometimes they'll play Collins at the four. And so it's like this weird thing where they either go super small or super big. I mean, you can't do any of that right now because everybody's hurt. But yeah, it's weird. I, Collins is really flummoxes me. I just he's one of those guys that I just worry like we're gonna look back in three years and be like, wow, like the things that I don't know, like the the trades that people were saying for him, like maybe his value was inflated and we should have moved him. Yeah, because like, you know, he he's still all potential. Like, he's never played well for like 15 straight games in his entire career, and he's hurt all the time. And I really want him to be good because I, I, you know, I agree with that potential. But it's like, 
I don't know. It's tricky. If there's any, I mean, I, I don't want to ever say there's a positive to injuries, but from, from a team aspect with Collins, uh, let's say he played this whole year and, and he was right like 14 and eight and shot, I don't know, 38% from the three point line. He's going to get a monster deal. Yeah. And true. The, the, the fact is, cause I think he's probably nearing where his rookie contract would be up. Yep. Um, he's not really going to have much leverage cause he can't stay on the court. Yeah. So in three years from now, we could see Collins on like a three-year, $21 million deal. And yeah. it could look like an absolute bargain. But I mean, this uh, is how Nurk and Roko both got their pretty good deals too, you know? Or yeah. not. I mean, I'm sure they wish they were getting paid more money. But they're very team-friendly contracts, we can just say. Yeah, Portland's eight and five. Uh, could we do Could we do Ed Davis to the Blazers for a second round pick? Will it, Everybody thing, would love that. Yeah, I think that'd be fine because I don't honestly, if you're the Timberwolves and I, we can get into this at a later podcast uh, in the next month, if you are continuing to go the direction you're going in, um, you got to start trying to flip some guys for some assets. I think. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what Ed Davis is doing on this Timberwolves team right now. I don't think anything. Um, he's a good player. Like he can play minutes. I, I, I don't know. I feel like the Wolves should be focused at this point on developing some of these younger guys. And I don't feel like, I mean, Ed Davis is a great locker room guy. Don't get me wrong. So I understand that there's value there beyond what he does on the court. But at the same time, yeah, definitely flip him. Get a second round pick. Well, it's exactly the type of deal. It, it would probably be tough to get a second round pick considering the last three games he's gotten two DNPs. Um, yeah. But you could, you could do like a conditional, right? Where yeah, maybe it sure. turns into like $100,000. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's too bad. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully the, the Blazers will be fine. I mean, in the West in general right now, it's kind of fun because okay, you have the Lakers that are eleven and three, the Clippers are nine and four, Utah's eight and four, Phoenix is seven and four, Portland's eight and five, Dallas is six and five, and then in the from you know kind of competing for that spot, that last spot is you have the Spurs that are seven and six, and then you have the the Nuggets, the Thunder, yeah. the Warriors and the Grizzlies who are all six and six and the Grizzlies just got John Moran back who I'm going to yeah. talk, talk about in a minute here. Um, but it's, it's, I mean, we thought that we, we were hoping the Timberwolves would be in that. Um, and then right on the outside of the Kings and the, and the Pelicans, we thought that the Timberwolves might be in it. And I guess they're only three games back. So it's, it's hard to like overreact too much, but it just seems like they're not trending in the right direction. Yeah. And then over in the East, did you watch the Nets like Harden, man? Do they even need Kyrie? He was just pretending to be out of shape. I, I think there was something about the Nets trading Kyrie on Twitter, and I can't say that I think that's a bad idea. Well, because he tried to come back, and I, I saw some reports saying he wanted to come back for Saturday's game because he wanted to play in Harden's first game. Certainly, because I think of what's happening right now is Harden gets a triple double, and you wonder, hmm, is there room for Kyrie? Uh, what, what can you do to? Um, the drama you know, never ends with right. Guys. <laughs> uh, and I, I do like the, the whole Kyrie situation is we should get somebody from the Nets on our next podcast to talk about, or maybe somebody from the Celtics or somebody from the Cavs. Um, I'll, I'll look into that, but I want to hear what, cause I feels like we're not talking about this enough. Kyrie's gone for personal reasons. I don't think anybody's talked about what those reasons are. There's videos of him. I guess like at a party or something without a mask, which, um, you know, I think a lot of these guys are like, I'm a grown man. I can do what I want. It's like, sure. But when it's impacting everybody else, you can't actually, uh, but he's just like, like in what world is it just fine for a guy to be gone for three weeks? Yeah. From his t- that seems it's so Unless weird. Dennis to me. Rodman going to Vegas. 
I guess, yeah. And then it's important. And we all wondered why, like, nobody, like, why, why we think Kyrie's kind of a weirdo sometimes, and he does stuff like this, where, like, he did the same thing in Boston, where he gets to Boston and he tells all these young guys, like, they don't know how to win, right? And then what do they do? They go to the Eastern Conference Finals without him. And then he goes to the, the, the Brooklyn last year, and he says, you guys are all young, you don't know how to win. And then what happens is Kyrie gets hurt or ops for shoulder surgery and he's just out for the year. And then this year it's like, you know, what's a good way not to win is just go missing for three weeks. That's how you, I, I like, I, I think Kyrie's a, I think he's an intelligent guy. Yeah. And so I don't want to like downplay that. And I think he does a lot of good and he sparks good conversations, but a lot of it is like Charles Barkley said it too. And I don't quite agree with him, but at the end of the day, it's like, yes, you can have all these other thoughts and that's great. But you like, basketball is your job. And I think like a lot of the times it, I think it's frustrating as a fan base when for the nets or Celtics or whatever, when I think it takes away from, from what he does on the court. I mean, at the end of the day, like Kyrie has a lot of, and I'm not saying like, shut up and jerk. Like, no, no, no. I totally understand. I'm I'm the opposite of that. I think these guys should have their, their voices should be heard. And they like, they have the biggest platforms and they deserve every, um, you know, of they, course, they can, I, you're not trying to everyone. think Kyrie shouldn't like talk about social issues. Like I totally no. understand that, but it, there, I mean, there is like this thing with Kyrie where I feel like he wants to be like respected and considered a great player, but he just doesn't do the things mm-hmm. that the great players do. And he, there's no denying his talent. I agree. I think he's a really intelligent guy. I know, like some of his qualms with the media have been kind of frustrating, um, but at the same time, like. Ah, he just has to show up. You know, if he, if he's yeah. not going to show up, he's not. He's never going to be. He's just not going to get what he wants. Like this is this road does not go anywhere where I think Kyrie wants to go. And I don't want to tell him how to use his platform or how to do his job or anything. But it's like it seems like the best. I don't know. It just I mean, seems like if he wants to be considered like a great. You know, every year All NBA, every year All Star, like great championship player. He has to play the games. Yeah, and and I think that's kind of it for me. Like everything else is kind of his business. But if he wants to be a great, he's got to play. Play. I I agree, and I think some of it too. It's you know you, you talk about what great players do and like their selflessness, and it, it seems it, it never it's never seemed like Kyrie's really had that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, like you said, they have to be on the court since tw- like 2017, 18, he missed 22 games, uh, 2018, 19, he missed 15 games last year. He missed 62 games. Um, this year he's, he's already missed a, a huge chunk of the season. Um, so that, that yeah. wasn't, that wasn't even on our agenda to talk about today. We just it's too bad though. Cause I like watching him play. I do too. And he's, I, a, love, he's my fan. I love Kyrie. He's yeah. He's incredible to watch. What, like, I don't know. Yeah, I just really wish that we could see more of him. I agree. Uh, all right, Julian. I like sports cards. Yes, you do. Uh, to my fiance's dismay, probably a little bit too much. Um, but we're gonna try to introduce. Uh, like, I, we can work on this title. Kyle's card corner. Is that okay? Yeah, for now, that's great. That's okay for now. Uh. If you've gotten this far in the podcast, yes. feel, feel free to tweet at us yes. and say what we should call this. Mm-hmm. This is an exclusive invitation for people who actually listen. It's true. Yeah. yeah. We, you can, we can call it whatever, uh, whatever the best idea is for, from when you guys. Uh, so 
I, I basically have like a bunch of these bass. And like if you're in the sports card game, you know that since quarantine, um, it like sports cards and, and the, the sports hobby has just absolutely blown up. Why is that? I think it's because a lot of people are at home and they're able to go through their collections and people maybe aren't spending as much money on certain things. Um, uh, I don't know. Like a lot of people are thinking of it as like real investments which I think is a troubling idea, but it works out well for people that are collecting for fun because then they can sell some of their, their cards. Uh, so has the, so when you say that interest has blown up, do you mean that there has been more supply or there has been more demand? Like are more people going through their collections and posting stuff for sale or are more people interested in buying? So it's been more expensive. Uh, yeah. So both. Okay. Um, so current cards right now are like impossible. And if you're listening to this and like, you're trying to go to like target or Walmart to get cards they're they're like people wait. They like people know their schedules. Seth Auger, a uh, former friend um, of the, our former podcast of the layup line. He, he texts me and he says he knows the, the card runners. Um, he knows their schedule and when they're delivering a target and he'll like meet them there. And he's like one of 25 people. Like these people wow. are, these people are psychos and dedicated and profitable, uh, apparently. So basically, uh, I think what's happened is you're getting a lot of the collectors like uh, you and me and people that like to do it for fun and whatever. But then you're getting all these collectors that are coming in and you're seeing, hey, X card sold for, you know, I think like a Mickey Mantle rookie card just sold for like $5.5 million. Oh, my God. Yeah. And basically you have all these investors being like, Hey, what's the next Mickey? Like what, what's the next huge card that could blow up? So you're seeing the, like these Luka Doncic's cards go for crazy. And like a Giannis went for like over a million, not. So I think you're basically seeing people now getting cards because they want to build a portfolio and build an investment. Like, Hey, can I buy this guy for $50 and maybe it'll get to 600. Um, so I don't know, but uh, I want to focus on one player in, in particular. And by the way, I have an Instagram account. I have like a hundred followers. So if you follow me, I post my Insta or I post my cool cards, which is why my IG is called my cool cards. Again, I'm kind of shocked. My cool cards was t not taken. I agree. I did agree. You buy someone out for it? No, no, I did not. I don't have, no, I, I don't have, I don't have any money to do that. Um, Cause I buy so much cards, so many cards. I, I don't have any money to buy Instagram handles. Uh, but I want to focus on John Morant because I had a conversation with this about somebody. And if you're in the sports hobby game, you like John Morant, the big card for him is the prism. Uh, and over the last three years, that's been uh, the case for every rookie. You want the prism silver, of course, but like the prism base. Uh, that's, that's the big card for these guys. So when John Morant got hurt, his cards were going uh, pretty high. Right. And, everybody started flipping his cards and I made the prediction and I, I, I basically said, I'm like, what's going to end up happening is everybody's going to try to sell their Morant cards because they want to get out before the, the, the market drops. Cause if they, I think the thought was that he was going to be out for like four or five months, people wanted to put their investments elsewhere. Uh, I thought his cards would end up actually going up because there'd be so many people that were trying, that would try to get in on the opportunity to get Morant's cards at a lower right. price. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, so over the last 30 days, Morant's Prism PSA 10, which uh, a PSA 10 is basically, it's a grading service. Uh, 
they grade it from one to 10, 10 is the best, obviously nine is still really good. Eight is fine. Um, so his PSA 10, which is the best you can get actually went up 32.1%. It hit a low right after the injury at $530. Uh, and it's back up to 660. I think it peaked at like 840. Um, so yeah, you think like a hundred you think $130 isn't that much, uh, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, but a lot what a lot of these investors are doing is they're buying 10, 20, 30 of these right. cards. And all of a sudden, if you flip 20 cards at a, at a PSA 10 and you got the 30% increase or you panicked and you, you sold 20 at the 530, um, you know, you're, you're looking at a loss of, you know, two to $3,000. This is stock trading. Like the, yeah. what you're describing is the stock market. And that's, and, but the thing is with, with stock markets is I don't know anything about stock markets. So somebody can correct me. It seems like, like they're not as volatile as, uh, athletes necessarily because, uh, or just like with the stock market, like I can tell you like this stock is probably going to stay the same or whatever. Sure. Like that's what, when we have like a financial advisor, right. They're putting your money into stock accounts that are like safe uh or yeah. you know you have the choice i don't have i don't have enough money to do that but um with cards it's like think about how silly that is john morant who we know that he's going to be like a top 10 player sooner rather than later but people freak out and they try to sell all of his cards because he Cause just sprained, sprained, his ankle. He sprained his ankle that is fascinating to me and like l- last year like the lebron james if the his his cards, if you know, he would have won an NBA Finals, they were ready to skyrocket. Uh, but there, everybody's like, if if he would lose, his cards were projected to like go down. And neither really happened. It, it kind of stayed the same. But it's just like, it's so silly. It's like, oh, I don't get it. And how then, much in, in your experience? How much does a player's kind of game to game performance impact their card value? Like if you're looking at like Trey, who has been horrible, dude. Uh, so like. Are his cards just worthless now, or do, or does no. it, is it still just about kind of what people think he'll be eventually? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's what people think he'll be eventually. Like the Luka Doncic cards, for example. I think uh, I'm not completely positive on this, but I think before that series against the Clippers last year, his cards were like his PSA 10 Prism was like fourteen hundred dollars, and he I think he had like that forty or fifty point game or whatever it was, and it went up to like twenty one hundred. And then a week later, it dropped back down to sixteen hundred. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so it, it, it's whatever. It seems like the strategy would be, and I, I'm not giving the listeners advice here, so do not do this. But it seems like the strategy would just be to wait for guys who are going to be good to have bad games. Uh, ding, 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 ding. You are right. Or get them in the off season. Uh, yeah. That's uh, that's the way to do it. But um, it's very interesting. And if anybody has questions about like the sports, because I find it super fascinating. So Kyle, um, have you done have you done these digital cards? I have. This was my day yesterday. My friend uh, and I each got some. Uh, it's nuts. Is it called like t- Top Shot? Top Shot, NBA Top Shot. So it's like the NBA has these basically YouTube clips mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're buying them. So and, you know how, and you know how the card, you know how when you buy a card, it has like a number out of however many were made? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... So in the in the physical card market, does it matter which number? Like, does it matter which out of five hundred you have, or does just the five hundred matter? Because in Top Shot, it's all about getting the highest number out of. Yeah. So, like so the, the three out of five hundred 
of a LeBron highlight might be worth $2,000 or selling for whatever. And then the $4.99 out of $500 might be selling for $5. Yeah. So a huge fluctuation. Yeah, like when the sports card market, obviously, like the lower serial numbers are worth more. So if it's like, you know, two out of five, the only time and the actual number seems to matter is if it's like a jersey number, people yeah. freak people freak out about that. Yeah, that's an on top shot so too. If you had like a Michael Jordan 23 out of 25, people would freak out and like that card would be worth so much more. Um yeah, but wild the, world, dude. The, the top shot is interesting. I actually was a sponsor for them for a hot second. Yeah. Um, they gave you me, should, you got, you got cut. Well, no, I'm still, I think I'm still part of their program. Nice. Um, they just want, I think they wanted to get it off the ground and, um, they wanted people to tweet about it. Yeah. So I, I tweeted about it. I thought it was fun. Um, it's really it's, interesting because it's pure supply and demand. There's no physical product. So it's, so it's all about, I mean, it's, and this is like, I guess kind of the case with sports cards too, because at the end of the day, the material cost of a sports card, like it's a piece of paper. You can also like, what's yeah. the really big difference between that and then like a digital, uh, product, but it's it's just really interesting because like if people decide that Top Shot isn't valuable, Top Shot will be worth nothing. Like the only thing it has going for it is that we're all agreeing that it's valuable. Well, and, and I wonder like with quarantine and when, like when this is all over, are we going to? I don't know. Like because I've seen this too. It's it, they, they, they Panini has this thing called blockchain. It's called. And they're basically just virtual cards. So kind of the same concept. Wait, Panini calls their virtual cards blockchain? Yes. Because blockchain is also like the way that you make Bitcoin or way that you mine for Bitcoin. Yeah. So I don't know anything about that. Um, But yeah. So I think I I saw like a Zion card that went for like $4,000. And it's like, wait, that's not even a real card. Um, So it's very interesting. Wow crypto collectibles which is yeah i mean this is i mean this is the thing it's like yeah we should have we should like have somebody who actually knows a lot about this market to come on and talk about this but like the yeah the 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 kind of crypto i don't know element to the like, physical card collection is really interesting to me and i really wonder what's going to happen with it so if anybody wants to buy my uh, kd card for three hundred dollars i put it on there for three hundred dollars just because you know if I don't want to, I don't want to forget, you know, and then have somebody like snipe my cards that are now worth a lot for very little money. So I have a question, Julian. Yeah. Are you, are you like, are you, when you sell it, are you actually getting real money or are you getting like yeah. the, the dapper? Well, like, that becomes real money. How do you do that? I don't know. I haven't sold a card yet. How can, but how can you convert the, that, like the, that dapper or whatever draper i don't know what it's called um how do you turn that into real money i mean it's connected to your bank account right i mean that's how the money got in there so i would assume that you just take it out but if 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 they can't if you uh cannot if i, I just don't think you can have currency in uh like cards then that's that's difficult yeah i don't know if you can but we'll see uh there's I mean, no way. There's no way. There's no way that you can only sell this thing for more basketball cards. I think that's the whole system. I don't think you're right. We'll I check on this. I, we'll yeah, check. check on that. Um, maybe we'll. Yeah, we'll have like a card expert if if you guys seem to like this stuff. Uh, we'll find out quickly. Uh, before we go, uh, we're going to do our weekly restaurant of the week. This is um, 
you know, a, a restaurant in the the Minneapolis St. Paul area, or really anywhere in Minnesota, you guys recommend them to to us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Kyle underscore Ratke. Julian is Julian underscore Andrews underscore. Um, and you can follow the podcast at Ten Thousand Layups on Twitter. But uh, basically, what we want to do is we want to give back to these these restaurants that have obviously been struggling over the last year plus and support them um, any way we can. Julian, what's your pick this week? My pick this week is Centro. Um, it is a taco and Mexican food restaurant uh, located. We'll give you another point to pinpoint where Kyle lives fairly close to where Kyle lives. Um, it's in, uh, I don't know what's that neighborhood. Like Northeast, yeah, North- Northeast area, right, right by indeed brewery. Yeah. Right by indeed brewery. That's better. So yeah, it's, it's a really, really good restaurant. Um, it used to be part of a kind of upscale Mexican restaurant called Popol Vuh, but Popol Vuh has since closed which is too bad. Um, incidentally, that was also the last place I ate before quarantine. So it's kind of surreal to like drive back there and be like, wow. Okay. Um, but yeah, Centro is very good. Their takeout is excellent. They have, you can get tacos for takeout, but then they also have a lot of take and bake stuff. So you can kind of take their meals and finish them in your oven at home, which is awesome. Um, they also have cocktail kits, which is really fun. If you haven't gotten into getting cocktail kits from restaurants in quarantine, I would highly recommend it. It's just, kind of adds a nice uh, like level of kind of specialness to any meal to have a, what tastes like a restaurant level cocktail with it. So, you know, I don't have like passion fruit nectar sitting around my house. Um, so it's nice to get, to get <laughs> some of that. And like, just like little ingredients that you wouldn't necessarily buy a lot of for cocktails, but yeah, Centro do it, get their takeout. It's awesome. Go check it out. We actually just ate there last night. Awesome. We had What's some, some uh, we had tacos delivered and we had some chips and guac. So very, very good. Uh, nice. we, get, we, we get that. Like we always say that we're going to try a bunch of new restaurants and generally we normally just go back to our favorites and Centro is in that rotation. Okay. So go check them out and tell them the 10,000 layups podcast sent you. They won't know what to do with that and they won't know what it means, but Hey, build the brand, baby. Uh, build the brand. We'll be back on Thursday with our guest. Uh, we can't tell you who it is because we don't know who it is yet. So uh, we could have just pretended it was a secret, but well, too late for that. <laughs> too late. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We will see you all on it Thursday. Feels right.